Right. How's everybody doing this Labor Day weekend? Yesterday was football Christmas. <laughs> College season started. We're excited about that. Um, my name is Joe Davis. I'm the lead teacher here in the garden. And this is a good way for us to kind of put a little exclamation point on our summer series on Galatians. We're going to go to the book of Hebrews. And today's message is how to ruin a good steak. Doesn't that steak look delicious there? Doesn't that look delicious? Seriously, doesn't it? How many vegetarians do we have out there? You sinners, you people. <clears throat> Bill, you're not a vegetarian, are you? No. Oh, you liar. <laughs> you're a lying sinner. That's the worst type of sinner of all the land. Um, <clears throat> so we've had an emotional, hard-hitting sermon week after week in this series. So today we're going to close it out maybe with a little bit of a lighter feel. So I have an object lesson for you. Uh, you see here I have a delicious, heavy steak. What is this, a porterhouse? New York Strip, delicious, right? It's like four pounds. It's like heavy. So give me some ideas. What are some marinades you guys would put on this? Raise your hand, and I'll just call. And anybody got any ideas for marinades? I need some help here. Marinades. Anybody? Yes. Salt and pepper. You know, I don't have salt and pepper, but I do have some fish flakes. So let's surf and turf, kind of like, you know, so... Okay, what other, what other marinade ideas do you have? What other marinade ideas are there? Anyone? What was that? A1? Well, I don't have A1, but I do have vanilla extract. So let's try some of that in here. Mm, that's going to be good on the grill right there. Okay. All right, what other, what other good marinades are there that we would use on a steak? Anyone else? Yes? Butter. butter. You know, butter is good, but I don't have any butter. But I think peanut butter and jelly would work. <laughs> ah, yeah. This goober stuff, it's fantastic. I would lick my finger, but I'm on a diet low carb and also... The jelly doesn't work for that. Okay, what other, what other, uh, yes. You know, chili powder is delicious, but I don't have any of that. So instead, I'm going to try some Fruit Loops. <laughs> crunch them up into powder. Some Fruit Loops. Some we won't crunch up. This is a good-looking concoction we got going on right here. Okay, what else? What else would we put on? A steak, a good marinade, yes. Ranch dressing is good, but oddly enough, I don't have any ranch, but I have something close. I have heavy whipping cream. It's the same color. So some heavy whipping cream in there. That steak, poor cow, giving his life for that, so that's not good. What else, what else would you put on a steak that could be marinated? Like, yes. Ketchup. Ketchup? Well, I don't have ketchup. Ketchup? But I have something close. I have barbecued corn chips. That works, right? I'm going to have one. Shh. I'll count a carb. Don't worry. Okay. 
All right, now one more. I need one more example of something you might put on a steak to marinate. What else? Who's teriyaki? Now, teriyaki is good, but oddly enough, I don't have any teriyaki, but I do have some, some clear value honey from Winn Dixie that should work really good. Did y'all hear that? It's like middle school. <laughs> All right. That's a good looking steak right there. My Lord, I hope I don't spill this thing. It's going to be a disaster. So I'm going to let that marinate, and we're going to cook that later. Some of y'all just got a little scared, didn't you? Hands are sticky. Yes, hands are sticky. Okay, well, listen, we're going to let that marinate. I want you to think about that all day. Thank you for your, for your input. I'm sorry I didn't have any of your ingredients that you suggested, but I tried to get as close as I could, so... Uh, that poor meat, it's going to be really good. So um, basically, here's what we're going to do with this today, all right? We spent the summer studying Paul's uh, encouragement to the Gentiles in Galatia to ignore the Jewish believers who were trying to mix the gospel and Judaism and religion. And today we're going to look at a very similar passage in Hebrews that addresses the other side of the problem. It was written to the Jewish people. Not to the Galatians, but to the Jewish people. So let's read Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk and not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still a baby, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have, their, have trained themselves, and other versions say have their senses exercised to discern or distinguish good from evil. Now here is kind of the perspective that I want to give you. There is a phrase out there, and if you haven't been going to church long, maybe you haven't heard this, but if you're a church goer, you've heard this phrase, you know, I want to get into the meat of the word of God, right? How many of you have ever heard that phrase? I want to get in the meat. See, th- there is a really unbiblical concept of what the meat of God's word is. The deception is that getting into the meat of God's word is really digging deep and studying the intense theology and complicated doctrines and not wasting time with simple truths like salvation, you know. The truth is that every doctrine is going to be either milk or meat. Every verse, every passage is milk or meat depending upon the response of what the hearer is. So like we like to do, we like to take these passages and break them down into three sections. The first one is the historical. Let's look at the history of the book of Hebrews, okay? Just so you understand what's going on here, okay? Um, The Hebrews were Jewish Christians, and they had this understanding about Jewish law, and particularly what Paul does here, it's very interesting. One of the most famous Jewish dietary laws is don't mix milk and meat. And we have discussed that in the past. And so that was one that probably everyone who was a Jewish person was the most familiar with. And he uses this particular idea specifically to drive home a very important point. He uses the the dietary taboo of milk and meat so that Jewish believers would have an understanding about how their knowledge and their maturity don't mix. You see that? Don't mix milk and meat. And Paul says, well, don't mix your knowledge or mistake your knowledge for maturity. 
Just because you know the law doesn't mean you are a mature, religious, spiritual person. The whole book of Hebrews is written to Jewish believers who had struggled with many of the same things that Paul discussed in Galatians. They were mixing Judaism and faith. And the author is teaching the Hebrews that their love affair with religion is causing them to forget the things they were taught about Jesus and the gospel and the cross. And what the author of Hebrews says is, I think you need to be reminded again. So let's go through the historical aspects of what's going on. By the way, that's another great looking. I wonder if this one's going to look like that when we're done cooking it. I don't know. Uh, Sure. Okay, first of all, they had opportunities missed. He says, by this time, you ought to be teachers. They ought to be teachers. They'd missed these opportunities. And because of that, their time had passed and their truth had been forgotten. They had obsessed with practice and knowledge rather than doing. See, had they been obsessed with doing, remembering would not even have been an issue. So they, their time had been missed, their truth had been forgotten. Then another thing we see is their time has been wasted. He says you need someone to teach you again the first principles. Matter of fact, other, other versions say you need someone to teach you the basic oracles of the elements of God. He says you need someone to teach you the basic principles all over again. And when they did that, these were supposed to be people who were mature, who had a lot of knowledge, a lot of understanding. You know what they did when they do this? They take away teachers from others. Paul says, i got to go back, and i got to explain all this to you again. i got so much work I'm trying to do in other places, and i got to spend my time coming back and teaching you people who have been Christians for decades, and now all of a sudden you've forgotten all this stuff. i got to teach you again. I have other work to do. They had to go back to school instead of when they should have been off to college. I think I shared this illustration with you guys once before, but I used to coach basketball for a long time. Uh, And one year, I actually was coaching the JV girls basketball team at Riverview High School. And uh, we were playing Sarasota High in their ridiculously terrible, disgusting gym. Hope I, I know I offended some people there. I'm sorry. Um, so we're in that gym at Sarasota High School, and it's a close game, and it's loud. You know, in their gym, if you have been there, the noise just reverberates off the walls. You can't, when a, when a whistle blows, you hear it for eight minutes. It's just terrible. And so we're there, and we're, we're down by one, and we have the ball and we have an, we're drawing up an inbounds play, and I gather the girls together. I say, okay, listen, here's what we're going to do. You're going to go here. You're going to go there. We've practiced this a dozen times in practice, and you come here, set the pick, pass the ball. You got it? Yes, coach. All right, ready? Rams with three. One, two, three, Rams. And they break, and they go, and they all do the wrong thing. The ball dribbles out of bounds. We get the ball back. Great, no problem. I call timeout again. I have like all my timeouts. I call them, listen, guys, we're going to try that same play we just really messed up. Don't mess it up again. Do everything the opposite of what you did before. Okay? You go here. You go there. You set this pick. We'll pass it the ball. We'll score a win. Ready? Rams on three. One, two, three. Rams. And we break. They didn't do it right. 
We got the ball back. It's still, we're down by one. Now there's like 10 seconds left, and I'm down to my last timeout. I call timeout. I bring them over. Girls, this is play number six. We've run this 100 times this year in practice and in games. Do we understand what we're doing? Yeah, coach, we got it. You said that last time. You go here. You set the pick. You run there. Throw the ball. Shoot it. We win. You got it? Yes. Rams on three. One, two, three. Rams. Guess what happened? We didn't do it right. And we lost the first game that the JV girls basketball team at Riverview had lost in four years. And that goes on my record. <laughs> Not good. <clears throat> See, what happens is they had to return to the nursery. Paul says, you need milk and not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk is still a baby and is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish where to set the pick and where to pass the ball and when to shoot it. So that's, a theolog oh, that's the historical. Let's look at the theological aspect. By the way, I want you to understand, when Paul says acquainted with knowledge, you know what that Greek word actually refers to? The Greek word doesn't mean that you know the knowledge. It means that you are physically acquainted. You have met the knowledge physically with your body, that you have with your body met the knowledge and made it real. That's what the word acquainted means. That it's not just that you understand the law or that you understand the word, but you with your body have taken the word and met it with your hands and your feet, not just with your heart and mind. Matter of fact, let's look at James chapter 1, 22 to 25. We did a very long series on the book of James. But be doers of the word and, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word... And not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and immediately forgets what he was like. <clears throat> but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so James makes it very clear here. And remember what the whole book of James was about is, is your faith real? Is your faith real? That's what the whole book of James was about. And what James is saying is, if you just hear sermon after sermon, after devotional, after book, after all these things, you just keep hearing these lessons, and you're not meeting them with your body, you aren't a Christian. So that's a little bit scary. I understand that. But what the scripture teaches us is the child of God is proven and marked as someone not full of knowledge, <clears throat> but someone that is full of practice. The practice is unavoidable and a natural result of the truth that transforms your heart and your mind and your soul. We know this because Paul teaches us this in my favorite chapter in all the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 2. He teaches us that obedience to God's word comes from the work of the Spirit of God in our hearts and bodies. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. In other words, faith is not of your own doing. It is what? A gift of God, not a result of works, so that anyone can brag 
For we are his workmanship, created in, in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should stumble into them. That's what that Greek word walk in them means, stumble over. They are good works prepared beforehand that God places on our path, and we just walk into them. And so what happens is the Word of God teaches us that if you truly are a child of God, and you've been given the gift of faith, which is not your own doing, but it is a gift, if that is truly what has happened, then what will take place, no matter what, is that there will be examples of you being acquainted physically meeting the truth with your hands and your feet. <clears throat> so let's look at the devotional side of this. This is what most Christians are with the word. I know she's adorable, isn't she? Isn't she precious? The Bible is nice and clean, and she's in white, and she's beautiful, little baby. And that's kind of how I see a lot of people in the American church when it comes to the Word of God, unfortunately. They're comfortable. They're cozy. They're relaxed. They're in the Word. But they're not acquainted. A church that is filled with babies reading the Bible is a church burdened by knowledge, but no righteousness. A church filled with babies is a church that is burdened by knowledge, but filled with no righteousness. <clears throat> see, here's a couple things I want you to see. Maturity has nothing to do with how much you understand or how deep your theological prowess is. Nothing. Nothing. You don't think you know very much? Well, I'm not very mature. I don't know much. Has nothing to do with your maturity. Nothing. Has to do with your knowledge, but not your maturity. Maturity has nothing to do with how much scripture you've memorized. Nothing. Has nothing to do with how much you attend church. It has nothing to do with how much education you have. Just because I've been to seminary doesn't mean I'm mature. It has nothing to do with how many books you've read on Christianity. Have you read the latest book by Francis Chan? Or whoever your favorite author is? It has nothing to do with your maturity. My answer is no, I just read the sports section. It's about what truth you have received and have had your senses exercised by use. Here's what's so great about the way this is set up. You can be a believer for less than a month and be more mature than somebody who has identified with Jesus for decades. Matter of fact, the scripture says if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. We talked about that in Galatians, did we not? The time with Jesus is not what marks your maturity. It's your acquaintance physically meeting the truth. Because maturity is use of knowledge, not the collection of knowledge. So let me ask you just another little object lesson. I want to, okay, when I was pulling these pictures up from the internet, I was just looking at some pictures 
of steak and milk, and there was a natural physical reaction that happened in my body. Which one makes your mouth water? I mean, it's good. I like milk, you know. It's good. But then when I popped this picture up, when I did a Google image about steak dinner, I actually felt saliva coming up in. <laughs> Boom. Oh, <laughs> yeah, look at that right there. Doesn't that remind you of this right here? Right. Doesn't that look great? What about this one? Is that too much starch for you, for some of you that are counting carbs? Okay, what about this one? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love those pictures. <clears throat> Which one makes your mouth water? This one? Or these? <laughs> Guys, here's where I want to give you an application that I really think can help you, Okay. I have a very intense desire for us to be a congregation that when we hear truth, that our first question isn't, okay, how can I remember this? I don't care about that. Our real obsession, what should make our mouth water, what should make our soul salivate, is this question or this statement. I can't wait to do this. I can't wait for my physical body to be acquainted with the truth that I heard today because I can see the power of how it can transform my heart and my mind and my soul and my hands and my feet and how I interact with other fellow believers and those in my world that aren't Christians, I can't wait to figure out a way to take that truth that I heard this morning and make it real, to make it meet in my life. And I want us to say, man, i got to write that down somewhere. No, 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 no. I don't want us to be upset. I want us to salivate spiritually over the idea of, man, I can't wait to do that. Because listen, if we have an insatiable appetite to apply what we are taught, remembering won't be a problem. You see that? If we have an insatiable appetite to apply what we have been taught and physically acquaint ourselves with it and meet it, remembering won't be a problem. And in that process, we won't ruin great pieces of meat as we drown ourselves in ridiculous knowledge that means nothing. 